of Hennepin, District Court, 4th Judicial District, State of Minnesota Plaintiff versus Derek Michael Chauvin, Defendant. Verdict, count one. Court file number 27, CR 20-12646. We, the jury, in the above entitled manner as to count one, unintentional second degree murder while committing a felony, find the defendant guilty. This verdict agreed to this 20th day of April, 2021 at 1.44 p.m. Signed, juror four person, juror number 19. Same caption, verdict count two. We, the jury, in the above entitled matter as to count two, third degree murder perpetrating an eminently dangerous act on the defendant guilty. This verdict agreed to this 20th day of April, 2021 at 1.45 p.m. Signed by jury four person, juror number 19. Same caption, verdict count three. We, the jury, in the above entitled matter as to count three, Second-degree manslaughter, culpable negligence, creating an unreasonable risk. Find the defendant guilty. This verdict agreed to this 20th day of April, 2021 at 1.45 p.m. Wow. What a day. What a day. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the Toxic Mom Podcast. Today was Judgment Day in the Derek Chauvin trial. As you just heard, he was found guilty on all three charges. He is facing substantial time behind bars. The top charge carries up to 40 years. The lowest charge carries up to 10 years. After the verdict was read, the state immediately asked for his bail to be revoked and he was handcuffed and remanded into custody and escorted out of the Hennepin County Courthouse. They claim this is a day most of us will remember where we were at the exact moment that this verdict was read. I was at work nothing special. I got an alert on my phone around 3.30 that they reached a verdict. I'm familiar with this, so I know they weren't going to read it right away. Go back to my office, log on the computer, hook up the streaming service I was looking at through this whole trial, and when They finally brought the judge out. I went into the other room and turned it on my phone and sat next to my coworker because I was having heart palpitations. I just, I was so nervous. I was on edge. And she said, are they getting ready to read a verdict? And I said, yes. Her phone rings, of course. She took the call and as the judge is reading that first count and he said guilty, I screamed. And me and her just looked at each other. We just could not believe what we were hearing. And he read the second count guilty, the third count guilty. And just an overwhelming sense of relief came over me. I've been really invested in this trial. And I think a lot of you guys know that, especially if you're on my Twitter page. I've been inundating your timelines with tons of testimony 
even from the jury selection. And I never thought I was going to get this invested in this case, but I felt like it was important for me to watch and to update people because I know a lot of people couldn't watch. It was very hard for me to try to watch, but I, I managed to do as best as I could. And I just could not keep my eyes off of this trial. It was something about this trial that just had me glued. And like you guys know, I didn't watch that video until March 29th from start to finish, like a lot of the jurors did. And I just, after seeing that, there was just no way I said in my head, he was going to be able to wiggle his way out of that. I will tell you, I got a little nervous yesterday when the judge was reading the jury instructions and he got to that second degree murder charge he was reading. And I got a little nervous because each state is different with how they categorize their rules when it comes to these different degrees of murder charges. I got a little nervous, but then I said, I'll have to try to stay optimistic. And it it worked because we got guilty on all three charges. The state and the defense gave their closing arguments on Monday. And here is a clip from Steve Schlesinger who gave this, the closing remarks for the state of Minnesota. Counsel. Members of the jury, his name was George Perry Floyd Jr. and he was born on October 14, 1973 in Fayetteville, North Carolina. To his parents, George Floyd Sr. and Larcinia Jones Floyd. Sissy, uh, the matriarch. Now, you met George Floyd's brother, Philonis, and you heard all about Sissy Floyd. She was George Floyd's mom. She was the mom of the house. She was the mom of the neighborhood. And you heard about the special bond that she and George Floyd shared during his life. You heard about their relationship, how he would always take time, special attention to be with his mother, how he would still cuddle with her in the fetal position. You heard that. And from George Floyd's brother, you learned all about uh, George's childhood. And during his time growing up in that house, George Floyd was surrounded by people by people he knew, people who knew him, people he recognized, a familiar face to pick out in the crowd. Okay, so that's how he opened his closing arguments, letting the jury know or reminding them who George Floyd was before he was tragically killed on May 25th, 2020. His closing arguments went bit by bit from start to finish 
of the events that happened and they double backed on Derek Chauvin didn't let up or get up. And the defense, of course, did their closing arguments and focused primarily on the, he wanted the jury to focus not on the nine minutes and 29 seconds of video footage where we saw his client on George Floyd's body, killing him, but he wanted to let them know that, okay, this may have happened, but this happened prior to him getting on top of him because he was resisting. And then he went bit by bit with the autopsy report and focusing a lot on Dr. Tobin's testimony and saying that the state wants you to believe that heart disease didn't matter, that drugs didn't matter, and really kind of nitpicking Dr. Tobin's testimony and playing that video frame by frame of George Floyd screaming and begging for help. And it obviously didn't work, it fell flat because we know what the jury decided. I'm not one to bash anyone's work. I'm not an attorney, but I can't imagine Eric Nelson feeling good tonight Eric Nelson, before he's a lawyer, is a human like the rest of us. And if he, he seems to be intelligent with common sense. So I can't imagine him really not thinking that his client didn't bear some responsibility here. He had a very hard case to try to prove. It was just so much overwhelming evidence against his client that was just too much for him to sift through and really try to get an acquittal. It just wouldn't work, um, especially when we realized that after a certain amount of time, George Floyd lost his pulse, he became unresponsive, and even his fellow officer next to him said he has no pulse, suggested they turn him over, and Steve Schlesinger made sure he pointed out that, and he did this with Barry Broad's cross-examination, Derek Chauvin just mumbled the words, uh-huh, every time George Floyd said, I couldn't breathe, uh-huh, I want to get up, uh-huh, everything hurts, uh-huh, and you heard Derek Chauvin saying this on his body camera footage. The bystanders didn't have that or didn't capture that, but his body camera did, and you could just hear him, uh-huh, uh-huh, every time he's yelling out. And it, that was just very excruciating to watch, among other things. Now, I was pretty vocal that I thought Derek Chauvin was going to take the stand, and I held out until we heard him last Thursday decline to take the stand and invoke his Fifth Amendment right. I felt that the only way... Derek Chauvin's actions could have been explained were by him himself because part of his defense was about feelings. He felt threatened and he needed to explain why he just did not get up, especially when George Floyd started screaming out for help and why you didn't get up when you heard your coworker in a sense say he has no pulse. He's the only one that could have answered that. And he folded like a cheap tent and did not do that.
I'm not sure him getting on the stand would have rendered the verdict any differently, but I think the jury, d the jury deserved answers, but we know his cross-examination would have went disastrous. So he opted out of it, but I, in my opinion, think he's, he should have taken the stand in his own defense to explain his egregious actions, but he chose not and it is what it is. We all have the right to defend ourselves in the court of law and he just chose not to. He will be sentenced in approximately eight weeks, so about two months from now. He was remanded into custody quite quickly. The state, after the judge read the verdict, asked for his bond to be revoked. For those of you who didn't know, because I know some people were still under the impression that Derek Chauvin was still locked up, he was not. He posted bond before his trial started. He had been staying at an undisclosed location, obviously, because it wouldn't have been safe for him to stay at his house. In the midst of all of that, his wife filed for divorce. And so he was, his bail was revoked and he was taken back quickly and out the door he went. It just was a very riveting day. It was a monumental day. It was a historic day. George Floyd got justice. Justice was served. It's really disturbing that someone had to die in this manner. But I think this is a turning point for America and realizing that there's a lot of police out here that are just not, they should just not be walking around the streets wearing that uniform. It's very sad because there's a lot of police officers that are like Derek Chauvin who are still on the job. Derek Chauvin was a veteran of the police force for 19 years never made his way up the ranks and had about 18 to 19 complaints against him. And if you think about it, that's about one complaint per year. If you wanna break it down, some people only get one complaint per employment and out the door they go. He had 19 complaints about his use of force and just his actions on the street as a police officer from members in the community that he served. And to my knowledge, not all of those were African-American. So this man clearly, if he had all these complaints, why was he still on the job? Why didn't someone take certain things a little bit more seriously? And again, I'm not a police officer. I don't know what happens when a police officer gets a complaint, but I just can't imagine someone getting 19 complaints and no one saying, hmm, maybe we should reevaluate having this guy working for our department. So he faces some pretty substantial time. The top charge, second degree unintentional homicide, carries up to 40 years and the lesser charge of third degree murder carries up to 10 years and the second degree manslaughter carries up to 25. So either way, he's facing some substantial time. I was told, well, I wasn't told, I watched this and I heard this from many sources that this judge in particular sentences on the heavier end of the spectrum. And as we know yesterday, <clears throat> 
excuse me, Derek Chauvin wants the judge to render his sentence. He did not want the jury to make recommendations. And that happened after the jury was given the case. They had their hearings and he wanted the judge to make his, give him his fate. So we will be back for that in about two months. And then the other three officers that were being charged their trials allegedly start in the um, late summer, August. They are apparently being tried together. And I'm just wondering what they're thinking right now as to what's going to happen to them, in particular to Tao, whose body camera captured a lot, and he's standing there just kind of, I don't know, just standing there like a bump on a log, being disrespectful to the bystanders. And, you know, I suspect that the chief of police may come back and take the stand. I'm not sure. I don't know if any bystanders will come back and take the stand. They might because they had direct interaction with Tutau. They really couldn't see what the others were doing, although there was footage of that, what they were doing. So this all remains a big mystery. And whether they make plea deals, who knows? Uh, this It'll just all the chips will hopefully fall in place like it did with this one. So with that being said, um, this will be my last Derek Chauvin trial podcast until we get to that sentencing. And I will, of course, update you guys frequently. And thank you to all the people that put up with me over the last couple of weeks, especially on my Twitter platform, just inundating your timelines with this. And I just felt that this trial was very important to watch. Again, I said this before, I didn't expect to get captivated, but I was. And I appreciate all of your feedback and comments, even the ones that weren't so great. But it's nice that we have a voice that we can kind of share with others because there's a lot of people that couldn't watch this or just chose not to because it was just too emotional. And I know there's quite a few people that reached out to me and thanked me and said without my coverage or my tweets, they wouldn't have even thought about this trial. So that I really appreciate all of your comments and feedback. And we will chat soon about this matter. As always, you can send me an email, thetoxicmompodcast at gmail.com, and we will chat soon.